one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Welcome back, everybody, to The Howling Salt Mine podcast. The podcast where we are delving into those salty, salty minds of the Magic the Gathering subreddits, finding the saltiest posts we can get, the saltiest stories, maybe some salty confessionals. We're taking them, putting them in our little mine cart, and we're hauling them back up. No canaries dying in this mine. Oh, that was fucking lame. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm sorry, that was lame. <laughs> where did that come from? From the top. I'm improvising. I'm improvising here. <laughs> Not your best. A for effort. <laughs> so put some oil in your lantern and put your hard hat on. Uh, who are you? Why don't you just skip to that part where you talk about Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for saving me, man. Um, yeah. I'm your host, Sam, of course. The only person that could be floundering this hard on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, I am joined by my two co-hosts, Tony and Mike. Why do you Howdy. do this to me? <laughs> what up, what up, what up, what up? <laughs> Mike was so fucking ready. I <laughs> uh, love it. So um, this episode may be coming to you from the future. Ooh. Or from the past, in a in like a 1980s DeLorean. No, more like in a 2007 computer that sucks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure exactly when this episode drops. I think we're gonna do this after we come back from Magic 30, but maybe we busted out some like raw Magic 30 episode that we recorded while we were. Drinking in our Vegas Airbnb. Who knows? Hell yeah. The sky's the limit, really. So if some like shocking thing happened at Magic 30 and you're like, why aren't they talking about it in this episode? It's because this was recorded like a week before. <laughs> Can you believe Mark Rosewater mooned the crowd? <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe they actually changed the cosplay contest to two Joanne gift cards? <laughs> <laughs> And they just went back at the last moment. They're like, actually, the gift card was pretty dope. Let's just stick with that. Yeah. <laughs> actually, the gift card never went away. It's hilarious to look at the prize support now because it's like $3,000 and a $200 Joanne Fabrics <laughs> gift card. <laughs> it's definitely some kind of like company to company agreement there that they just like can't break out of. <laughs> no, it's because the people want it. Yeah. The people want the Joanne Fabrics gift card. Kid me, I'd want that money for fucking rent, baby, and good meals. <laughs> I don't know. Food, a nice piece of fabric, some felt. You know, there's a lot of things you can go velvet. Ooh, that was one of my favorite um, life hacks back when I was a youngin. I got a lot of Best Buy gift cards for Christmas because my family members knew I was into video games, but like didn't know enough to, to make the risky purchase to be like, does he have this console? Who the fuck knows? <laughs> I don't know anything about this. So I'd get a lot of like Best Buy gift cards and I would just go to Best Buy and get like a soda and a bunch of candy. Like whenever I went there, 
it was it was just for snacks did you buy um did you buy games at best buy though totally i would buy games at best buy i only well so there was like a mall down the street from me and it had both an eb games and mm. a GameStop. oh yeah one on each end of the mall and now they're both game stops this is not a big enough mall to have two video game stores and <laughs> yet somehow there there are still fucking to this day two video game stores in this fucking I wonder if mall. that's like a franchise thing that's very weird hmm. yeah. yeah i mean when i was a kid it was um electronics boutique was actually where i first started to buy video games fucking is that KB KB toys am i or right that- <laughs> yeah electronics boutique became eb games gotcha there was electronics boutique they opened up an eb kids and then an eb games and then there was a kb toys and then there was a Best Buy. All of them sold video games, toys, awesome shit. I was a mall rat growing up. I fucking hung out at the mall like every day I possibly could <laughs> with my friends. <laughs> That's something that like didn't, it was down the street for me. Like never, never something really happened for me. Oh, like, dude, like I, I, I mean, it. actually it lies. Like I would definitely go to the mall to hang out. Like if we didn't know what we were going to do, we was like, I guess we could just go yeah, to the mall and like walk around mall. or some shit. I feel like I had some shitty dates at the mall where I just like walked around the mall with oh, someone, man. you know. Definitely had some dates at the mall. <laughs> but it, it, it wasn't like a, like, yo, Friday night, let's go to the mall, baby. Like, I wasn't like amped up about it or anything. We were amped up about it. <laughs> you would say, not exact, I wouldn't call my friends baby, but we would say that almost exactly like, let's go to the mall, dude. And we'd, we'd take caffeine pills and we'd like go to the mall and we'd walk around. And uh, <laughs> pool our money for like McDonald's and Taco Bell. It's good times. Nice. Caffeine pills, the drug of children. <laughs> <laughs> now replaced just with like Red Bulls. Our mall had like a Coles and a TJ Maxx and a Subway. So it wasn't really like a prime hangout. You didn't spot. have like a food court. You didn't have like the <laughs> no. sky's limit, all the things. Oh, that's nope. a bummer, man. Yeah. It was very we scary. had an arcade. Wow. You had an arcade? Yeah, we had an arcade. We had a Blimpies in our... Blimpies? In our, uh, oh, we might have had a Blimpies. We might have had a Blimpies originally. What the fuck's a Blimpies? Blimpies is like... Blimpies is like shittier Subway. Well, actually, no. It's like maybe a little bit better Subway, but like not much. It's different Subway. Oh, like a Jersey Mike's? E- yeah, but more like Subway. Like the sign is just like in the inverted colors of the Subway sign. Yeah, they were trying to be Subway somehow and like get like like gotcha. Like people were like, oh, is that a Subway? I I guess it like it means a sub shop. <laughs> they've got the similar it's sign. Like, oh, it's a Blimpies. Okay. I guess it we'll sounds go. like they have opposite goals from Subway, where Subway was like, hey, you can eat this sub and every fucking day and you'll lose some weight. And Blimpies is like, you're gonna blimp up. <laughs> Listen, there's no two ways about it there's a lot of mayo on this so like <laughs> tuck in there was also restaurants that were like in the mall parking lot like connected that way but you had to walk across like it's on the outer rim of, oh that's weird like yeah, why yeah. is it not connected to the fucking mall things i never understood monmouth county people what can you do so this has been the Howling Salt Mall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do love the mall. And uh, now that mall really sucks ass. That's all I have to say. Malls are dying. They are dying. A dying breed. Yep. Kids just don't know what it was like. These, you know, walk around the mall. don't know how to have fun these days at a mall. <laughs> yeah. Go in the dollar store. You're like, how much is this? Until they kick you out. <laughs> this is so good. Yeah. 
we were really scraping the bottom of the barrel for making our own fun in a mall. Mall content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, let's talk about salt. Am I right? Let's get yeah, into that. Yeah. Let's get into that bad bitch. That's enough uh, mall preamble. Can you really ever have too much mall preamble though? I could literally <laughs> spend an hour talking about the mall. I fucking love the mall. I was a mall rat. My sister was a mall rat. I come from a, a proud line of mall rats. I could talk about the mall for a, a whole hour. Do not challenge me to do it. <laughs> okay. Coming at you. Our next. Uh... <laughs> All right. Let's get into it. Get me off this topic. I so I was playing in the mall. Topic, the mall again. <laughs> so let's get into it. Finally, <laughs> our first post comes to us from Monday morning. I'm still calling it that. I know it's like Monday memories now. We're still calling it Monday morning. We're counterculture. We don't give a shit. We're we're cool <laughs> and edgy like that. And this one comes to us from one of our friends on Reddit, and the post says. One person in my playgroup made a deck entirely to spite me, as admitted by himself, because I dared to play reconnaissance in Ishin to try and have my creatures live through combat. He wins most of the games he is in, and I just don't even want to play anymore. I'm tired of trying to make Mardu work. No real apology either. Just I'm sorry you're not having fun. You and me both, friend. I always want to try and make Mardu work. <laughs> but Mardu is good. Mardu's good. So I got some additional information from this person. Basically, they're playing in a group that has like a $100 budget. They're a little bit frustrated with because it's hard to make their Mardu deck work really, really well in that budget. You know, it needs a lot of ramp and other things like that, not being in the good ramping colors. And they had bought a reconnaissance to try to like make their deck really pop off. And the guy who set the $100 limit got super salty and was like, that's bullshit that reconnaissance does that. And I disagree with the ruling of untapping <laughs> at the end step after the damage has been dealt. And <laughs> that person ended up making a Kamiz deck that is like mostly Voltron and control and removal to make a huge unblockable commander to just like snipe people out of the game. And the OP talked to this salty person and was like, hey, this deck is kind of unfun to play against. And they were like, yeah, I built it specifically to spite you. <laughs> <laughs> All for reconnaissance. Yeah. I will say, I think reconnaissance is like fucking weird and I don't get why it works, how it yeah. does really like, and it feels like it's just like some judge someday was like, cause I say so. And that's so fine. But like, I don't think it's some drastically overpowered like, yeah. thing to be so upset about. Like, Should we read Reconnaissance real quick? Yeah, we should. We should. Can you read the OG templating and then the Oracle <laughs> no, templating? No. I don't think it's been updated. I think that oh, is really? the OG templating. Yeah. So Reconnaissance is a one mana white enchantment. Costs one white to play. And it has an activated ability on it that costs zero mana a very strange activated ability. Zero mana, remove target attacking creature you control from combat and untap it. And then has some reminder text that says that creature neither deals nor receives combat damage this turn. So looking at it, you see reconnaissance and it's like, okay, I attack, somebody blocks, I'm going to use this to remove my attacking creature before the blocking step to keep it safe, which is part of what it does. 
The other thing that you can do with reconnaissance is after combat damage happens and after damage has been dealt, there is an end step of combat. And during that end step, you can activate reconnaissance. Your creatures are still technically considered attacking. That attacking uh, identifier is kind of like a, almost like a status that your creature picks up. As soon as it's tapped and attacking, it carries forward that attacking status until combat's over. So at the very end of combat, even after damage has been dealt, you can use this to untap your creatures and keep them up and safe. This is consistent with other effects that have this wording too. Like you can ninjutsu yep. post combat damage. You can use some of those like white removal spells that say like destroy target attacking creature. You can oh, yeah, use really all those things post damage if you want. So that that is just consistent with the rules of the game. It's just something that like clearly it's sort of the intent versus the use of it. Clearly this is intended to pull back an attacker if it gets like double or triple blocked and you don't want to lose it or something like that. But how it actually gets used is it's kind of the pseudo vigilance to be able to keep all of your creatures untapped after combat or keep some of them safe. Like it's super versatile, definitely overpowered for the effect that it was intended for. I mean, it's, I fucking love it. I run it in a couple of my decks and it's a banger of a card. But even still, it's not so, it's not like oppressive. It's not like insane. I, I don't know. Like the OP here is just like freaking out for no reason. <laughs> like, you mean the, the salty player? Sorry. Yeah yeah. 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 I'm just like, what are you like, bro? Chillax. Like you, you're going to go build a deck to like crush someone because they ran reconnaissance. Like, yeah. It's so, it's such an odd card to get salty about because it doesn't stop you from doing anything like, except for effectively blocking them but like yeah like reconnaissance is so narrowly one of those cards that just improves the player's game plan that is playing it and isn't really like in your way as the opponent so it's a super odd one for me to to see as like a triggering card and like combat damage still gets dealt to those creatures if you use it after damage is dealt you know like creatures it, it's not like this secret cheeky thing where you're like and none of my creatures get dealt damage it says that in the reminder text but that really just means it gets pulled from combat effectively so i think the piece that might be annoying for this player is that the ishin player is using it to swing get an attack trigger and then pull the creature back so it is Definitely. truly like Value. a way to attack it is that first part of the effect where it's removing it from combat and preventing it from from being damaged that is, you know, making this challenging. But it, I think that's just like using a card effectively for the purpose it was intended for, which is an odd thing to get salty about. Yeah, and there's like cards that do different things that are similar, like Dolman's Gate, like no damage is dealt to your creatures, okay, right? Like Dolman's when you're attacking. Gate, and so it's like that is... Very similar. I guess there's like less power because you can't untap them. That's probably the biggest thing you could argue, but it's like very comparable, very similar type effect. And it's, yeah. it's, it's just not, it's just not. No, no denied. Salt bad. <laughs> it's also like a weird spite. A lot of the time we talk about people building spite decks to fuck up another person because they're pissed. This is like the person on the receiving end of that. It is funny to see how strange it is. We often, when we are talking about spite decks, you know, don't do that. Like, don't build a spike deck. One, don't waste your money. Two, don't waste your energy. Like, it's just not going to be as worth it as you think it is. Yeah. That's even truer to see it on this side where someone is like building the spike deck. If you really wanted to spike deck somebody who's running reconnaissance, fucking put some enchantment removal in your deck. <laughs> yeah. Like, just make your deck a little bit better. You don't need to one shot that person and focus them down 
with a Voltron deck and like out control them to have make them have this bad game experience, just like pivot your removal package a little bit and, and be aware that reconnaissance is a good card. And when it comes down, you should consider removing it. Yeah. I think we've talked about spite decks and I've said that they are okay. Like, I think you can pull one out and it's funny. Like you can, Mike. you can say like, Hey, yeah, I was getting smoked by this. I, I've got a spite deck, but I think this is like a, you have a group of friends that you're consistently playing with. You have one deck you play it like one, maybe two times to make a point because it's funny. You have to like <laughs> kind of announce that you've made and are creating and playing this because it's funny that it counters this deck. Are you thinking of Yashard? <laughs> yes, I'm thinking of Yashard. <laughs> but but this, this avoids so many of those things. This player like did not initially say like, like they were like sneaky about it and then they've played it a few times and it took the OP here saying like, hey, that wasn't fun for this player to reveal that it was like this spite. So yeah, this is like, this like hidden <laughs> inherently like mean spite instead of having some of these trappings of it kind of being this like lighthearted play, which is really what it, it can be is like we're playing, you know, we, I have changed the play part to the meta. We're playing now with what the meta is, but uh, this is not that this is like this is weird and targeted in a kind of hidden way until it's called out, which is is just yeah. it's like none of the positive uh, indicators for this kind of thing. You make a really good point about playing with the meta when this kind of stuff comes up, because, you know, we we're joking around about your Yasharn deck. For people who don't know, Yasharn stops you from sacrificing things or stops your opponents. Actually, all players. Yasharn stops all players from sacrificing and paying life for effects. So it's a very powerful commander in a meta that has a lot of like aristocrats decks, which we do. And things treasure like that. decks, like yeah, treasure and stuff like that. And this is something that Mike built when we were feeling kind of overpowered by those types of decks. And it's not like you brought it out and you were like, I'm about to fuck you guys up. I think there was <laughs> one game where you played it like commander face down just to kind of surprise us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then it just became something in the meta. And it was like, okay, all of us who are running these decks, we need to have a plan for when Yasharn comes out. It is that meta buster type of deck that breaks up a stale meta that's kind of getting repetitive. The same deck types are always winning. And I think that's kind of the best way to build a spite deck. I would even caution against calling it a spite deck at that point. It's really like a meta buster. Mm -hmm. It's not like you built that to piss Tony and I off because we run a lot of aristocrats decks. Yeah, it's just a happy side effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the first time I played against this deck, I had I wasn't in the unveiling of this deck. I didn't even know what the fuck it did. And like so I, I decided was I was gonna play like this aristocrats deck. I played it and then I literally didn't play another card the whole fucking game, or at least not a card that did anything. And I was like, this sucks. It just turned into like, okay, if we're playing you and Tony's just not gonna play like half the decks that Tony yeah. plays because they say you can't have fun while, while doing this. It eats Willow Dusk too. It's so good. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and like a, a good player would just pivot their play pattern instead of kind of complaining about it. Um... I did pivot my play pattern because all I did was I didn't slot removal in. I just made new decks. <laughs> I was like, I'll just make a deck that doesn't sacrifice things and then it's fine. Hold on. I need to find the first game where Yashan where Yashan came out and just check. Just check what that record says cuz I think it's going to be funny. Who was it? Cuz I know it wasn't me in the first one. 
What? It wasn't? No, but I know that there was a game that it was played and I was so mad. <laughs> and I was just like, I can't fucking do anything. I was playing Grenzo with yeah. it and I was just like, this sucks. But you guys had played one game prior. Oh, yeah. The first time you, we played it, you weren't there. It was against Brett. Mm. But I want to read the time. <laughs> okay. So the third time Mike played Yasharn, Tony was playing Grenzo Dungeon Warden, or as we yeah. call it, the Jank Spank Warden, uh, <laughs> because Tony constantly claims that it's Jank, even though it's an incredibly tuned, super powerful deck. And he always spanks us with it <laughs> and makes us feel really sad. So Mike played Yasharn. I was on Roger and Arden equipment. Tony was on Grenzo and our buddy Pat was on Svielin, the newer Merfolk commander. Mm. Um, not to get into the details, but Tony was the saltiest baby. He said he cannot <laughs> sack or pay life. He was like flipping out and stuff. Yasharn came out. Tony just continued to swing, <laughs> continued to swing at Mike for the entire game. Based With on like two tears and one ones. <laughs> <laughs> whatever like, you had. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, amazing. And I won that game with Godo, with Godo Helm. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> What the fuck? What deck was it? Was it Roger uh, Arden? Roger Arden. That was oh, like Roger the first Arden. time I played Roger Arden, maybe the second. And I was like, oh, I have Goto Helm in this deck. Did you play Goto? <laughs> was that the game where we realized you have to go to Helm slowly in Arden? Or did you cheat? <laughs> um, let's see. Did I cheat? Because I remember us having a realization at some point of like, oh, Arden can't go to Helm in the same turn or something. Oh, no. I, I had Hammer of Mizano. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, did, I did do, it, did correctly, do it correctly. But there have been other times where I've tried to cheat the system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So what do we think about the salt rating here? I mean, this... Hi. Yeah, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and executed incorrectly. Like, you don't need to meta bust the Ishin meta with a Voltron control deck. Like, yeah, no one, no one needs that to happen. Just, just slot in a little extra enchantment removal. Like Ishin otherwise isn't doing such a unique thing that you should need like a specific deck to counter it. Like it's a, it's a pretty classic like combat oriented kind of deck. You should not need some entire list in order to combat that. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, this just sucks. Like, it sucks to know that somebody has been gunning for you multiple games in a row. And when you're like, wow, my play experience has been kind of shitty. And then you talk to somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, I did that on purpose. Great. Mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to make you feel bad because you did that reconnaissance thing one time. And I didn't agree with the ruling of the card in the game that we play. It's just such an overreaction and such a wrong way of trying to come back against something that you, if you do perceive that reconnaissance synergy as very powerful, just change your deck a little bit to accommodate for that. You do not need to one, build a totally fresh deck for it. And two, make that deck just to piss someone off. If you really need to meta break, then break the meta. Don't break a person's will to play. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they should ban reconnaissance too powerful. Yeah, it just leads to toxic play patterns, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shit. Well, this is another one. I'm over this. <laughs> All righty. Let's do it. So this one comes to us from the EDH subreddit, and it comes to us from user Magnus Prime. If you guys see user Magnus Prime, give him an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that goodwill. And the post title is, How to be an empathetic player in EDH. 
And the post goes, last night, I stepped way out of my comfort zone and brought Turgrid to my LGS's commander night. Well, step one, don't play Turgrid. <laughs> <laughs> the salty card of the week post. from last episode. <laughs> next post. <laughs> the group is a mid-sized group with very little salter drama and full of high-powered commanders. So I knew it would be right at home, bringing a traditionally unfun deck to play with. Sounds like this group is generally, like they are saying, low salt, cool with very powerful stuff. So maybe Turgrid isn't, isn't a big mistake here. Five games total, and Turgrid won every pod. 100% Ooh. win rate. And I had a horrible time. I felt like such an asshole and even told everyone I would be taking the deck apart, never to be seen again. No one gave me a hard time. Everyone was having fun except me. Every game ran the same way. Turbo Turgrid out, protect her, and in a few turns, no one has a hand and all permanents are on my side of the board. The game stalls until I can smack face enough to move on. This isn't a new problem for me. I have a problem running interaction in my decks. I thought that by jumping headfirst into it, I could give myself enough exposure to get over it some, but last night was horrible. I know how defeating it feels to have my stuff countered or removed or exiled or whatever. And I just can't bring myself to do that to someone else. I also know that as soon as Toxril or Kalia or Coma hits the board, the right move is to get rid of it. I know that removal and interaction is necessary for the health of the format and for the game as a whole. But in the moment, my empathy for the other player makes it so hard to do it. Games have ended while I had a farewell or a generous gift in hand. How do I get over this? It's gotten to the point where most of my decks have very little interaction because I don't want to even have the option to do something I know I'll feel bad doing. Help! Wow, Ooh. this is interesting. There's like two totally separate concepts here, right? Yeah. Isn't there? There's both like I played Turgrid and I feel bad and I don't like... <laughs> I, I guess they're related. I, I think two flavors of a very similar thing. Yeah. I'd caution this player against taking Turgrid apart just because it won five games. I mean, there's totally a validity to I didn't enjoy playing this deck and I'm going to mm -hmm. take it apart. Like that's super reasonable. But as long as the people at your table aren't upset about how those games have gone, like give them a couple, you know, a couple times to adjust their decks. Like maybe they'll slot a Yasharn in, you know, like maybe people will <laughs> slot things in that are going to really impact your ability to force discards or force... Uh, sacrifices maybe they'll just be able to deal with turgrid a little quicker now that they know to, that it's a threat so yeah. you know to give give the pod a chance to respond before necessarily benching a deck but if you're not enjoying it that is slightly different and you can bench it because of that yeah i have a few thoughts on this one the first one is if you don't like playing turgrid and you don't like the play pattern don't play it I have made decks in the past where I was like, I'm going to make this super controly, powerful deck to just overpower my opponents. And when I did it, I was like, this isn't fun. It's not fun for my opponents, but it's not fun for me. And I'm not really like enjoying this play style. Also, Urtai was bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Urtai was also bad. <laughs> that is fair. It was also a bad deck, but it was also like this, pattern where i just didn't like it and it it didn't help that i was seeing you guys be bummed out about how slow the game was going and how like frustrating it was and i was like man i don't like these slow frustrating games if i want to do that i have stacks which i love to play but that kind of like over counter spell over controlly thing it's just not fun for me 
So I would say like, you don't have to play Turgrid. And if you're playing it and you're like, this play pattern isn't fun, then don't play it. The other thing I think about here is if you try to play a commander against type, you're not going to have fun. Like whenever someone is like, oh, I'm going to build Turgrid, but it's going to be fair and fun to play against, or I'm going to build Memnarch and it's going to be fair and fun to play against. You probably won't have a fun time playing that deck because those decks aren't designed to be fair and fun to play against. The intent is that you're stealing shit and getting value and kind of pissing off your opponents because that's what the commander wants to be doing. Yeah, it's like the core mechanic. Like it's like what they're trying to do. It's like the purpose. Yeah. Like I had a hard time for a while playing my Rafik deck that I talk about every fucking episode. Um, <laughs> would it be an episode without a Rafik? Mention? It wouldn't. It wouldn't. Also, blue is a trash color for trash players. Let's get it out there. People, <laughs> not even trash players. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's this thing with Rafik where the first few times I played it, for a while actually, I felt really bad about knocking someone out. But I love the deck so much. And I was losing games because I was like, oh, I'll spread the damage around. And I'm just losing all the time. And finally, I had a choice. I was like, I could either stop playing it or I can just lean into what it wants to be doing, which is knocking a single person out of the game early, moving on to the next person, knocking them out and finishing off the last one. And I decided to lean into it. And now it's something that I do enjoy. I know it sucks to the other person, but it's like, hey, here comes the Eldrazi conscription. I'm knocking you out. And I've leaned into that and you really need to do that to one, enjoy the deck and two, have the deck function. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys think about this like uh, removal aversion or interaction aversion? What what are your thoughts on that? Tony, I know you've got some thoughts on that. I I do. Well, I feel like it like (laughs) it resonates with me because I do feel like I feel similar. Like when I finally get to do my thing, especially if it's like, you know, like five, six mana and you've, you've played like one or two spells and like you've sort of tapped out and you're just hoping to get back to your turn and like do some cool shit. That's like not really game breaking, but is like powerful enough that somebody should probably do something about it. I put myself in those scenarios a lot. And so I don't like it when that happens. So I feel like I don't want to do that to other people. Especially because it's like, usually you can tell like they don't really have anything else going on. And like, that's the thing, but like, they're going to get so much value. So there is value in removing it. I I also tend to actually have removal in my hand uh, at the ends of games. Uh, And I think it's a bit of a judgment call that you got to make. So for me, like if somebody's going to win the game and I have an answer to stop it, but I don't really have a path to win myself. I will like sometimes let things go or like not try and just deny the inevitable because I don't like when games just sort of like go a couple extra turns for the sake of it. So I think it's more around like, what is your position in the game? Like, are you doing something for the sake of it? Are you doing it? Cause you actually are like improving your own chance to win. Mm -hmm. And like, sure, you can always say, like, well, no matter what, you're always improving your own chance to win. But, like, in a realistic time frame, like, if it's going to take me four more turns to beat you if I remove, like, one thing off your board and, like, I'm not going to gain a ton of value in the in the meantime, I will tend to just let it end. Yeah, that's totally a difference between you and I. Like, I definitely at the to a fault of sometimes making a game drag on a little bit longer. I prefer to just, like, always play to the out. Like sometimes I'm down to just FF, but I would rarely like 
sandbag on what I have in hand or something to to make something happen. But I, I think one of my thoughts on like how to maybe encourage yourself to be okay playing some of those pieces of interaction is like if you're watching an anime or a show or like something with a fight scene, right? Do you want two characters to come up face to face, shoot their biggest shot at each other, and then like the screen whites out and then one of them standing over the other one, like holding his, you know, in a victory pose and the other one's like on the ground? No, no. (laughs) Their biggest shot, white on the screen, he's standing over the other one holding his, you just trailed off. (laughs) (laughs) No, like just epic, you know, one shot, whoever's biggest, biggest uh... load. (laughs) (laughs) Mike is so disappointed in us. (laughs) Mike is so disappointed in us. Whoever's biggest ability uh, is bigger. (laughs) <laughs> whoever's is bigger wins all right are you guys happy I oh, man. um yeah, do you man, anyway anyway yeah, do, do you, you want goku and vegeta to just be like <laughs> we're gonna fight now and then the screen whites out and goku's like and i won yeah and my move was bigger i won yeah. or do you want this like epic want that to be back and episodes. forth like people like you know throwing a punch someone deflects it like someone comes in with another move suddenly he's behind him like you've got all these different things go yeah but next thing you you know it it is an episode of dragon ball z where they've just been charging up for 10 turns (laughs) i'm not saying charging up though i'm like like actual interaction like actual actions you. you know like tight choreography of fights like that stuff is way more entertaining in a show. And I find it way more entertaining in a game. It's like one of the things I love about CDH is like these crunchy stack battles where yeah. like five or six different spells have not yet resolved. It's like that kind of interaction. That is a really interesting part of the game to me. And so I really like highlighting having interaction and having pieces that are there. So as long as you kind of shift it of like, you're not, ruining someone's experience that's not your goal your your goal is to make the game itself be more interesting and have more of these kind of moments of choice and and moments of change and removal can be frustrating you know like getting your shit removed is frustrating your opponents might get salty from time to time but that doesn't mean that they're having like a bad experience it doesn't mean you're like ruining their day by removing one of their things you know it's something that needs to happen as a part of the game. Yeah. I think what I've also started to do is mainly just include the types of removal that I like seeing on myself because it's what I'm more willing to play as well. Yeah. I feel like that helps me. <laughs> I know I've said this before, but it's like, I fucking hate board waves. So I just don't run them. And like, they are correct to play in most scenarios. Like anytime somebody plays one, Except when I play them. Unless it's like far <laughs> into the game. Mike no, no, with no, his no. board like, wipe tribal. Mike plays them usually on like the right turn. Like it's annoying, but it is <laughs> it, it's never not correct. <laughs> like, except don't, don't say that, Tony. That only <laughs> makes it more annoying. Every once in a while he'll play one and it's like turn like fucking eight or nine, and I'll be like, all right, what are we doing right <laughs> now? But, like, <laughs> when it's earlier in the game, it, it is fine, but it's like by by just running the types of removal that I like, I will I'm also more inclined to play them. Yeah. One of the main reasons I started removing Borwas is A, because also I don't like longer games. That's fine. But it's because I never wanted to play them. Like I would have them and I and even I'd be like, well, I should probably play this, but like 
I'm not going to. And then I was like, now, now I just, just have a dead, I card, a dead card. Yeah. yeah. The, the last thing I would leave this person with is interaction does not need to be removal. I know we talked about this in like a recent episode, but you can run things that interact with the board, interact with how the game is played and don't remove things. A lot of like red interaction outside of burn is like redirection effects. You know, deflecting SWAT is like the perfect example, but there's a bunch of different effects very similar to deflecting SWAT in red that are basically redirecting things. That's something you can do to affect the game without explicitly removing your opponent's stuff. You can run an interaction package to protect your own board, protect your own interests and still further yourself in the game and not explicitly remove things. I feel like Brett in our play group is really good at this. He runs a ton of those kind of controly interaction cards like comeuppance and deflecting palm and -hmm. things like that, that have these big splashy moments and turn the tide of a match. It's not really removing stuff. You know, some of them do, but it's not like he's running a counterspell tribal deck and like removing our shit all the time. Like he waits and he holds it to the right moment and then he pops it off and you're just sort of like, whoa, like that was a, a big turnabout. And, you know, you just kind of have to respect it because it, it's so well-timed so often. For sure. There are also like different things that affect how combat is done where you can pick tackers and blockers. A- another great example of this would be Master Warcraft, which Hell is an yeah. instant. Um, you cast it during the combat step before attackers are declared and you get to choose which creatures attack and which creatures block. So that's something you can do on someone else's turn. Again, you're not removing their stuff. And there is a bit of control. And if you don't want to do that, you know, that's something else to consider. But you can be doing things that have huge impact on the game, aren't removing permanents or even spells if you don't want to play counter spells, but you still can have this very strong interaction package. Even things that just give your own creatures indestructible at instant speed, things that defend your own board, given hex proof, those can be fantastic. Yeah. And an effect like that, like later in the game can be like pretty potent. Like somebody can be at 16 life and it's easy to have four, four, fours, but like somebody else has like a couple blockers. So they're like quote safe, but you can just like eliminate someone out of nowhere with a spell like that to just be like, yeah. Oh, actually this combat you're going to die. Yeah. Master Warcraft can be game winning. Like it can save your ass from getting knocked out and knock another player out in a single cast for four mana. Like it's a, it's a badass spell, but, uh, What's the vibe? How do we feel about the salt levels on this? I don't think it's high salt, but I think this is somebody who is, they're frustrated with their own play patterns. Maybe they salted their food a little bit too much and they're like, man, now I just got to eat this salty food and it's a bummer. You know, it doesn't really fit into our typical definition of salt, right? Because this is, Mm -hmm. their opponents are fine with it. It's very internalized. It's like, how Mm -hmm. do I get over this thing? How do I get better at it? And I think they still got a, a chance of balancing out their chili here. If they just add some other ingredients, it's not going to be too, not going to be too salty forever. They're, they've identified the stuff that they've got to do. Not play Turgrid, which yeah. nice. We were we were pretty <laughs> sure that was going to be the move, uh, and grow a little more comfortable with removal or, or find the right kind. Yeah, find the right kind of interaction. And if you do not like a commander that goes deep into that shit, don't do it. You can have a super fun and rewarding. EDH career and never play a commander that is like that. You just don't yeah. have to do it. Yeah. yeah I was going to say it's like 
it's internal salt levels. Like the salt in your body is yeah, it's a little too high. You gotta too balance that out. Yeah. But you gotta you gotta figure that out on your own. You gotta take in less salt, figure out what balances you. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's how I take care of my salt. Yeah, I mean playing Turgrid is like it's like gulping a bunch of ocean water and then being like, Oh, I don't really like salt at all. It's like, no, yeah. <laughs> you, you do. You just had like the most nasty amount and lots of it at once. Yeah. Another one. All righty. So this one's a little bit different. This one comes to us from the EDH subreddit. And this post comes to us from the wilder Swami. Uh, if you see the wilder Swami on the subreddit, give them an upvote. You know, the drill spread that goodwill. And the post is titled, what would you say to a person who is nervous to go to commander night at their LGS asking for a friend? And the post goes, this person who mind you is definitely not me has only been playing for a year and a half and recently moved away from their play group. They finally feel that they have a handful of pretty tight EDH decks, nothing CDH, but enough to have a fair and fun game of cards. That being said, they're still nervous about the variety of power levels and well, anger levels that could be present at the different pods they're worried about getting shouted at or laughed out of the building this might be a situation where this person just needs to look themselves in the mirror suck it up and go try and have as much fun as possible but are there any tips for getting ready to play commander at an lgs like i said a little bit different flavor here mm -hmm. this is a person who sees the salt they know the salt exists and they want to get in this situation and uh, make sure that they don't encounter it. It's not even that. There's like the different types of salt, and they're like, how can I find the salt that fits into what I want? <laughs> like the kind <laughs> of meal I'm looking for here. I don't know. It's a tough one. I don't think it's tough. I think it's I think just it get is. out it's there hard. and do it. I don't know. It's hard to get the activation <laughs> Spoken energy. like a person without anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that. It's, it's like... I just moved to a new area and it's like very hard. Like I'm a super outgoing person and like go and just do stuff. But I just feel like you get ripped away from all the things, you know, and it's hard to be like, I'm going to go do this new thing. Cause you're already like not feeling great about it. Right. So it's like hard to just like, again, the activation energy is like the hard part of yeah. like, I'm just going to go do it. But I also think the hard part is giving it multiple tries because it's not necessarily going to be like experiences you've had in the past. Like it's like a new place. You have to like really factor that in of like when you go, there's inherently like a similarity, but it might not be like what you expect and trying to give it like the fair chance is like an important part, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think what you're saying of it might not be what you expect is really important here. Like to me, it seems like what this person is expecting is really negative toxic angry people yeah <laughs> and in my experience at lgs's that's that's not what i run into especially if you're playing commander at an lgs like that is generally people showing up to have a good time and and just remember that you know wherever you're showing up to play you're at least sitting down with three people that you share something in common with you like playing magic you like mm -hmm. building commander decks and you like you know, spending time doing that. So you, you've already, you're starting off on this, on the same footing with these other players. You're all there for that good time anyway. So just yeah. kind of remember that. Uh, and hopefully the other people at your LGS are, th are there for that as well. Yeah. I, I also want to mention that a, a couple of things. 
The first is that, you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about salt. Obviously, we talk about these bad situations that come up, but these are kind of the exception to the rule, I think, at least in my personal experience playing magic for, you know, the last like eight years I've been doing it. More often than not, you are going to have a very positive experience with other people like Mike is saying that are like-minded, are there to have fun, are there to make friends, especially at an LGS and especially someone who's new. Like I used to play a ton at LGSs. I, I don't much anymore, but I used to play a variety of games at LGSs. And whenever we had someone new come, like everyone would rally around them, give them a good experience, bring them into the crew. And it was just very positive. We talk a lot about these stories, but I think that they don't happen too often in the wild. You also read a lot about them and read about these salty things. But I think it's kind of like, it's kind of like Yelp reviews where if you have a really bad meal, you're going to write a Yelp review about it. If you have a really amazing meal, you might write a review about it. If you have a meal that's just good, you're probably not going to go out of your way to like say anything about it. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's yeah. this thing that happens with experiences in general in life where like the really bad ones and the really amazing ones get a lot of notice. And I think it even leans a little bit more towards the negative. Like those negative ones become big stories because people like to read that shit. Some selection bias. Yeah. It's selection yeah. bias. It gives this perception that that happens all the time. That's what's worth it. People thrive off of the negativity. <laughs> I certainly do. So I got yeah. this podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, we got a podcast off of it. So, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think it just, I don't think it really happens that often. The other thing I would say as someone who has anxiety myself, anxiety does this thing. And th this is for everything outside of going to LGSs, stuff like that. Anxiety does this thing where it shows you all the worst case scenarios for something that you're going to go into. And more often than not, in, in my many years of experience living with anxiety and, and still <laughs> doing the thing anyways, the thing that you imagine that's going to happen is always way, way, way worse than the reality. And it's that anticipation of those bad things happening that stops you from doing the thing. But if you can just push through it and do it, you will often find that it is better to have done it than live in the fear of not doing it. Also go to therapy if you have anxiety. It's great. Preach. I think Abe Lincoln said that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Logan Ninefingers from uh, the first Law series, The Blade itself said that. He's a barbarian. Nice. Well, <laughs> barbarians can't be feared anyway, so he's kind of unfairly <laughs> pitching that. Is when he's not in a rage, Mike. Okay, I don't know that it's I not buy a D &D it. system. <laughs> so that we're telling this player just get super angry, and then you won't be scared of the <laughs> people in your store. <laughs> but seriously, like, just go for it. Like Tony said give it a couple shots. Um, and I guarantee you, you can mo I would say that the vast majority of LGSs out there are going to have some kind of kindred spirit there that you can bond with, form a good friendship and keep coming back every week and just having a great time. Yeah. And maybe you even just meet some people that you decide to play outside of the LGS. Like maybe you might even find that that community or environment isn't exactly how you want to play, but that there are other people there that you do want to play with. So don't feel locked to the confines of the LGS. Yeah. Especially if they have like whack rules, like you can't combo before turn 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
Well, I don't think there really is a salt rating for this one. Nah. I don't think so either. But to the Wilder Swami, I hope you have gone, enjoyed this LGS. I hope you're getting in some sick games, just having a good time. Also, send us your truly salty story that you definitely experienced the first time you, you went there <laughs> yeah. and we'll talk about it on a mail yeah. time. If someone did shout you out, let us know. <laughs> Please let us know. <laughs> we'll, we'll make you feel good about that too. <laughs> Yo, is it that time? Yeah. Let me, let me check my watch. Yeah. Um, it's that time. <laughs> I think it is that time. It's definitely that time. Which time? Are you wearing a watch? Because you did actually check, but like... I am wearing a watch. Oh, nice. This time does come every week. It's the time of the week where we like to say, Mike, what's the salty card of the week? Well, I've got... I've got an exciting one for you. Give me salt, I want salt. Now here's my song about salt. Oh, fucking editing that out. That sounded like shit. That was great. That was all you had? Well, you were doing like a quiet thing, so I was we're, like, maybe I should be aggressive singers, about Tony. it. <laughs> well, this is a uh, an homage to our lost episode, which we may at some point soon be able to release. The salty card of the week this week is... Blight Steel Colossus. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> we have to do our best to talk about this, but not reference the post of the last episode. Yes, we will do our best. <laughs> so it is a 12 mana artifact creature golem. It has trample, infect, indestructible. And if it would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, you reveal it and shuffle it into its owner's library instead. And it is 11 11. So it can one-shot people with Infect if unblocked. Hmm. Tony, does this card make you salty? Uh, this card doesn't make me salty until it's on a table and I've got like two opponents and they also don't have blockers and I don't have blockers. <laughs> <laughs> and my other opponent is deciding who they're going to kill. And the second they pick me, I'm like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but... Until that moment, I'm like, great card. Solid. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> nice. Sam, does this make you salty? Honestly, for 12 mana, uh, I just don't think this is going to see play. It seems kind of like a it... bad card. <laughs> bad, <laughs> bad stats. Um, I mean, it's just like a big Timmy card. So you probably won't see this at most tables. <laughs> if anybody plays it for 12 mana... I think that also makes me salty. 11, 11, 11. <laughs> 11. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Like, it is 12. Edit that okay. out. I don't want to sound dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this card used to make me salty. I was playing magic when this first rotated through standard. And I remember being like very afraid of it. One of the guys in my play group in college pulled it from a pack and would just like every once in a while, just like fuck us up. Right. In commander. <laughs> It's kind of the same story. It used to give me some salt. I remember when I was first really getting into Commander, I was playing with this group and one guy had a, a Blightsteel Colossus in his deck and we would be like, that guy's a CDH player. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Which now I know that obviously that's not what CDH is. That was just our way to be like, he plays a strong card that we don't like. <laughs> At the time, it seemed very, very strong. Now... It's still great. Like, I'm not going to downplay how good it is. It's a great card, 
But with the plethora of like swords to plowshares, path to exile, other exiling effects and things like that, even goading effects, like it's it's great. It's an awesome card. It's a super good finisher. It's very, very strong. It's going to make an impact when it hits the board, but I don't like dread seeing it as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. I think it still makes me salty just because the ability to one shot and often that leads to a play pattern where one person gets one shotted, then the blight steel gets removed. Then you're just watching three people play while you're sitting there, which can always be a little salty, but I'm a little middle of the road on this one. I recognize how good it is, but it's not like a full shaker situation by any means. What about you, Mike? This card absolutely does not make me salty. This card sparks significant joy for me. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that I love about it is the first time, right when I was getting back into EDH, uh, for actually first time getting into EDH, one of the early decks that I built was an Emery deck. And you can't recur this because it doesn't, it gets shuffled back in, but my Emery deck could get a bunch of value and then drop this. And it was like the only win con just like, lightning greavesing blight steel colossus at people i remember Uh, that (laughs) yeah yeah but the reason mostly that it sparked so much joy is the reason that i had it in that emery deck while i was just getting started again is right when that happened i went back to like my old you know my childhood home like got my boxes of cards and was like let me find the good stuff that's in here like i know i had a couple bomb pulls like when i used to draft in high school and this showed up like this was one of the first things i came across and was like oh yes i forgot i had this this is gonna be perfect in emory so excited about it so this is one of those cards that i have like a single copy of and it you know i'm very attached to it it has a lot of like nostalgia for me um so no this card is so far from making me salty and i love seeing it on the table and is it still in emory it's not in Emery anymore. I took it out. I took it out because Emery's my CEDH deck now. I think I might have put it into Braids. I was actually just oh, thinking about this. It should be in Braids. It should be in Braids. I have like, I think I might have an Ulamog too that should be in Braids. Definitely. A couple things that should be in Braids that aren't yet, but yeah, I think it is. I think it's in Braids. Where, where does it fall on the list? It's 33rd on the salt yeah, list. That feels, so like, yeah, that, that feels uh, right. Like upper 50. Appropriate. Yeah. 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 I actually okay. think. This is random and really not Blightsteel's fault, but I like mass ordered cards on uh, TCG. Blightsteel was a part of that. But then it always like you go, you get in the car, you do like mass entry, right? So you like put all the cards for a deck from like Moxfield or something. Yeah. And you put <laughs> them all in and going. then it, immediately it's like, oh, uh, this Blightsteel like isn't in stock or whatever. And so you're like, okay, well, I still want Blightsteel. So I'm going to go get it because they like, and then next thing I know, I receive cards in the mail and somehow I've gotten two copies of fucking Blight Steel. <laughs> and I'm like, just an idiot because like I didn't check the order well enough. And it's a fucking expensive card. And next thing I know, I'm like, why do I have two fucking copies of Blight Steel? So <laughs> that's the other assault I feel when I think about Blight Steel. Fair enough. That's definitely happened to me. Not with a Blight Steel, but with like some other card where I'm like, why do I have two of those? Yeah. I've also accidentally just another TCG thing. I've like ordered cards off TCG. And then go to like optimize the cart. And then when it finally comes, like I got like a foil version. I was like, why did I buy a foil? Oh my God. Like it's great to have, but I didn't intend for that. I get so mad when that happens, especially because I'm like match the fucking printing (laughs) that I like did or whatever. And then it's like, somehow I still end up with a foil. Like I I know I definitely use your error. Like I'm definitely fucking up. Recently (laughs) I got like a damaged foil and I was like, thankfully for like a 50 cent card, but I'm like, 
why did why did this come and i pulled it out and like the foil layer on it just like flapped on the corner and i was like what the fuck? why did i buy this i am like actively like ship me whatever is cheapest I'm, so i know i'm clicking whatever that button is so i hope to get those damaged foils yeah that's the way to do it man it really is all right well i think that is it for the uh the salty card of the week well thanks mike and thanks to the prospectors for tuning in again this week checking out our podcast and delving into the salty minds with us again. If you guys want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit. We were at the Howling Salt Mine on both Instagram and Reddit, and we are at Howling Salt Mine on Twitter. We use those all for kind of different things. Reddit, we're just finding posts, commenting on things sometimes. Twitter is more just like us goofing around. And Instagram is really like the business page. <laughs> yeah, Twitter just lately has been me just like being really bored at work and shit posting a lot. <laughs> I've, start, I've started like, I, I love it because I get all the notifications of like so-and-so <laughs> liked your tweet. And I'm like, oh, I didn't tweet that, but I get to share the like serotonin. <laughs> like, a little dopamine hit or whatever it is the other day yeah because mike and i like both have the keys to the car with the twitter account and the other day i commented on something with like a joke and then mike later on commented on it as well <laughs> yeah. and they react they reacted with like a pukey face to sam's and yeah. i was like let me try <laughs> it was so funny uh it was just really funny because the tone of our two different posts are like so different, Super different. <laughs> mine was like a joke and mike's was like a scryfall deep dive joke it was just like very very, very into our personalities to form yeah yeah if you guys have a salty story you want to get in to us for the next mail time episode, email us at our Gmail, which is the howling salt mine at gmail.com. As always, we ask you to keep that short, sweet, and to the salt. And I think that's it for us, guys. Like I said, maybe this episode came out after Magic 30. Maybe it's a week after. Who knows? Time is crazy, isn't it? Yes. I wasn't sure if you wanted affirmation or not. I always want affirmation. <laughs> but it felt like it could have not. And then I was like, oh, maybe maybe that's what he's looking for. Yeah, you do always want affirmation, Sam. <laughs> thanks, Mike. <laughs> oh, man, so meta. The meta affirmation. Well, thanks, everybody. Stay salty. And don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the howling song. game stalls until i can smack face enough to until i can snack ugh. the game stalls so until, snack that face. until i can snack on someone's face <laughs> yummy <laughs> <laughs>